0: What does it mean to inwardly digest God's Word? Find out in Pastor Will Whedon's column in the latest Issues Etc. journal. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Dr. John Warwick Montgomery tells his story of finding confessional Lutheranism to be the most scripturally faithful theology. The free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. The International House of Prayer in Kansas City has been operating continuously since 1999, open 24-7. Prayer, worship, all things like that, led by Mike Bickle, a legend in pop American Christianity. And the influence of the International House of Prayer on American evangelicalism and pop Christianity is very, very difficult to overestimate. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. It's This Week in Pop Christianity Today, Mike Bickle and the International House of Prayer. Pastor Chris Rosebro joins us. He's pastor of Kansfinger Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota, creator and host of the YouTube channel Fighting for the Faith. Chris, welcome back. Thanks for having me back, Todd. Mike Bickle has been in the news recently. Who is he and what was this all about?
1: So Mike Bickle is uh, one of the last of the three Kansas City prophets in the charismatic movement, uh, and people would understand that phrase. That would include uh, Bob Jones, Mike Bickle, and a fellow by the name of Paul Kane. Bob Jones, he had a big, major uh, sexual problem, and that was he was using his prophetic office for the purpose of convincing women in his office to undress themselves in front of him all because the Lord said so. Paul Kane turns out was engaging in homosexual activity and now the news that has broken since October of last year regarding Mike Bickle is that he's been using his prophetic words for the purpose of engaging in clergy sexual abuse, that's the allegation, and uh, one of his victims, who was 19 at the time and this goes back to the mid-90s, had an ongoing relationship with him for three years this is what she claims and she's uh, put it on the record publicly and that Mike Bickle during that time was uh, constantly telling her that God had told him that his wife Diane was going to die and that the two of them were going to eventually get married that didn't pan out and three years after they started their relationship which included sexual activity but not sexual intercourse, that's what she said, that uh, she eventually ended up finding a fellow, dating him, and getting married, and and that's how that relationship ended. But since then, other women have come forward with similar stories. Right before Christmas and the uh, New Year that just passed, IHOP, the International House of Prayer, which Mike Bickle founded, has severed ties with him. And they said that they've made it official and that it's permanent because there's evidence that substantiates the claims of uh, clergy sexual abuse against him.
0: How influential has Mike Bickle, his two compatriots there, and the International House of Prayer been over the decades?
1: I, I think it's immeasurable to say that they are like one of the major hubs of activity and focus within the Charismatic Movement and the New Apostolic Reformation, I, that doesn't even do it justice. Mike Bickle isn't just an influential leader, he's a giant. He's almost in a league of his own concerning his influence and the respect that he's had over the decades as a defender of the idea that God still gives modern-day prophecies. He's been a purveyor of signs and wonders and a leader in the what's called the 24-7 prayer movement. So the International House of Prayer is known for the fact that their building is open 24-7, and there's always a praise band, and there are always people praying around the clock. And so Mike Bickle's influence... His platform, it's practically immeasurable, and it's global. It's not just in the United States. It's around the world. I mean, charismatics from all over the planet know who Mike Bickle is and have been influenced by his teaching and his examples and the things that he's been doing.
0: What are we listening for in this first cut from Mike
1: Bickle? So I've assembled four sound bites for us, and these are going to go back a few years. And the, the point that I want to kind of grind on is that people now are willing to scrutinize Mike Bickle, but for the longest time, decades, they have been unwilling to do so. But if they had been willing to engage in biblical scrutiny and discernment, they would have recognized that Mike Bickle all along was a false teacher and a wolf, not a sound teacher and somebody who we can rely on. He is an agent of the devil and dressed up as a, as a worker of light, and it's very evident from the different things that he's taught over the years. So the uh, first soundbite is from an interview that he did almost 12 years ago now. And it was a series called Ask Mike Bickle. And in this soundbite, he's going to talk about the fact that he, in his own experience, believes that 80 to 90 percent of all dreams, prophecies, visions, and claims of healing within today's modern-day charismatic movement, that they are legitimately fake and will interact with what he says.
2: And I believe that a whole lot of the dreams and visions aren't even real. I mean even though the people are genuine lovers of God and even though they might have a history of having some dreams and they actually came to pass the things they saw. I have I know many people that have had you know seen some things in dreams and then had hundreds of dreams. I don't know the number of course. multitudes of dreams that were not prophetic at all. They were just pizza. <laughs> And they were not helpful. They were actually, but because they had two or three or four or five or ten dreams where there were helpful information that ended up being valid and from God, that doesn't mean the next hundred are right. You know, you know. There, there's a verse in Ecclesiastes chapter seven, I think it's chapter seven, that says, or chapter five, that with many dreams, there's emptiness and vanity. I don't take my direction by dreams. I'm open to a dream giving me direction, but it has to be confirmed without, meaning I have to have the dream, you have to have the dream, another guy have the dream, and they tell me and I haven't even told them I have had that dream. Then I pay a little bit more attention and has to honor the biblical principles. I get probably, uh, I don't know how many dreams or visions sent to me from because of the internet around the world, email, or even people from our city that aren't a part of IHOP and people part of IHOP. And most of them I don't pay attention to. I I just think they're distraction. I think they're not real. I don't mean the people aren't real. Some of them are faking it. And there's a lot of people faking it. But even good people just have dumb stuff. It's just dumb. And I'd say probably 80% of what I hear, I throw it away. Does not move me at all? Does not bear witness to me? I still like the guy, I believe in his walk with God, but I don't believe what he says from God. You know, the dream same with healings i think there's a lot of healings out there that are really real i've seen them with my eyes a lot of people report healings and you look back a year later it it wasn't real was it a lie some people lie they just lie about healings other people feel pressured so they say they're healed when they're not other people genuinely feel good they feel better two days and then you check in a month or two later well what was that i don't know
0: so this is pretty rare for one of these purveyors of this kind of theology to say, yeah, most of it's nonsense.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it is rare. He was being candid and quite frankly, I think he got the percentage wrong. He thinks that 80% of it's false or fake. I personally believe 100% of it is because you have to ask the question and that is this, why, why would God the Holy Spirit validate their ministries at all when then, by his own admission, 80 to 90% of what's going on there is fake and false. This is a breaking of the second commandment, uh, that we shall not take the name of the Lord our God in vain. They are legitimately deceiving in the name of God. They are saying, God told me something when God hasn't told him something. They're saying, I've been healed when they haven't been healed, and praise be to God for healing me when he hasn't healed me. And the whole signs and wonders, the whole thing being fake, why would God the Holy Spirit then say, well, I'm going to grace them with 10% of what goes on there being true and at least give some kind of a validation? This begins to beg a question. And the question is, is the Holy Spirit that the New Apostolic Reformation it believes in. Is this the same Holy Spirit as the One who is, the One who is revealed in Scripture? When you think to the early days of Christianity, early on in its history, there were a lot of fights regarding the person of Christ, and there were a lot of heresies that cropped up in relation to the Godhead. So you had modalism come up, which was a denial of the doctrine of the Trinity. You had the Arian heresy come up, which was a Christological heresy. And then, you know, all the different strains of Gnosticism that, you know, come into play as well. I think that we are looking in our day at a pneumatological heresy. It's a different Holy Spirit that they believe in. And the reason I say that is because the Holy Spirit that they believe in contradicts himself. The Holy Spirit, who inspired the scriptures to be written, who inspired the Apostles to write what they wrote, inspired the Apostle John to write, Beloved, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. You'll note that Mike Bickle in his quote said, you know, these messages, these dreams and visions they claim they're getting from God, they're fake. But he says, I'm not going to question their walk with God or their sincerity or the fact that they're Christian brothers and sisters, even though they are giving words from God that God hasn't given them to speak. So his attitude regarding them is contrary to the attitude that the Holy Spirit himself has given us regarding false prophets and false teachers. We are to mark And avoid them. We are to not have anything to do with them. We're not to greet them in our churches. And uh, we must put them out of the church and call them to repentance. And Paul says that we need to rebuke them sharply. But uh, Mike Bickle, the Holy Spirit that he believes in, is perfectly fine with 90% of the signs, wonders, uh, prophecies, and words of knowledge all being fake, false, and phony because he's then going to grace them with 10 to 15 maybe 20 percent of the of real prophecies real visions real miracles and healings and stuff like this this is a different holy spirit altogether what strikes
0: me is just how kind of flippant or even casually he is about making this admission that it's this is no big deal to him that much of what much of what is going on in his community is false it's not yeah. coming not coming from god it's either coming from the imagination of man or perhaps
1: I, I didn't hear him admit it but perhaps even demonic right and and he's perfectly okay with that but this kind of begs the question what does he do with exodus chapter 20 verse 7 where we get the second commandment you shall not take the name of yahweh your god in vain for Yahweh will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And the Hebrew word for vain, it's a shah. And when you look at its potential meanings in the lexicon, in the Brown Driver and Briggs, uh, shah, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God, carry it to emptiness, to nothingness, to vanity, to take up God's name in a vain manner, to give a false prophecy. My question is, why is he so nonchalant about people breaking this commandment in the name of god and signs and wonders and stuff like this and he has no actual guilt no honor no no feeling of like god's name has been dishonored by the activity that's going on in his own church by these fake signs wonders and miracles but god says he's not going to hold anyone guiltless who takes his name to such emptiness and nonsense And so, you know, like I said, we're dealing with a different Holy Spirit altogether, but I don't understand where is his fear of God? Why is he not caring at all about the grievous sins that are taking place in his own congregation in the name of God? What's next? So continuing down the line is, is that uh, we, we've heard what he said, his admission. Let's listen as he kind of explains further what he thinks our attitude should be regarding these fake signs and wonders. So I believe in prophecies, dreams, visions, healings. I've seen the manifestations of the
2: Holy Spirit so powerful, so real, some of them bizarre, but real. I've seen a lot of people fake them in our community. Healings dreams visions all that stuff, but you know what I do. I am so zealous for the real I'm so hungry for the real that I don't get offended by what I call the hamburger helper and the, the the added and extra some people fake them blatantly some people don't fake them They're genuinely seeking them, but still the experience isn't real though. The people are genuine There's all kinds of categories, but I am not throwing away the real because humans are involved and there's some of that other stuff. And so I tell people, the I think the wrong approach is it's either 100% right or 100% wrong. I go, I wish it was that easy. So I tell the charismatic guys who believe every healing, every dream, every vision, every prophecy, every manifestation, every you know gold dust is in the room, they believe every single one of them. I go... I go, don't be so open-minded, your brains fall out. Use some discernment. A lot of that is fake, false, meaning and not even real. The guys are lying. And other guys are more meaning, but they're exaggerating or they're trying to make it work and it's not real. I go, don't be so open-minded, your brains fall out. Use some discernment. A lot of that's fake. But you know what? I tell the other guys who can see the fake, don't throw all that away. (laughs) Because I tell you, there's real visions. Real dreams, real healings, real manifestations. And so in our community, we try to value the real, use discernment to the fake, but without a critical spirit. And when we see the fake, don't be heavy about it. Just. Be soft and kind about it and don't don't make a big point about it. And so we try to live in the tension because we're so hungry for the real and we see the real, we see it regularly. And I love it because it makes people love Jesus more, obey the Bible more, obey, not just love Jesus, obey him, more effective in the gospel and the great commission and missions, giving their money away, more generous, more steadfast
0: under persecution, more
2: steadfast under trials. I like that, that's what I call
0: good fruit. So this is the second time we've heard him say, you know, most of it is fake or people are lying. How are we supposed to know what's true and false,
1: according to Mike Bickle? He basically uses a subjective test. You know, you have to get some kind of a a check in your own heart, in your spirit, that validates the word that is being spoken. He's not applying any kind of an objective standard. And then you'll note that, uh, you know, his big admonition for those who are able to spot the fake is to not demand a hundred percent accuracy. He thinks that that somehow would quench the spirit and would cause them to miss the real. But I would note that this flies in the face of the actual commands of God. In Deuteronomy 18, we have one of the tests of a prophet. There are a few tests. And one of the tests has to do with what they speak in it coming to pass. And so, Deuteronomy 18.20 says this, The prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. You'll note that God had zero tolerance policy for false prophets, zero tolerance. And so much so that in the ancient theocracy of Israel, it was a capital crime to give a single false prophecy. So the the text goes on to say, if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that Yahweh has not spoken, when a prophet speaks in the name of Yahweh, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that Yahweh has not spoken, the prophet has spoken it presumptuously, you need not be afraid of him. In other words kill him <laughs> that that's what the text says and so my immediate question is how do you go from what the bible clearly says there is no room for error that somebody who is speaking and, and notice what he said they're lying and exaggerating these are other sins on top of sins at this point and he is just basically don't rebuke them don't confront them. Don't cast them aside. Don't do all that other kind of stuff. Instead, just you know, just listen with discernment and kind of dismiss it in your own mind. But God doesn't have us in his word teach us to have an attitude like that. We are to have a zero tolerance policy when it comes to false doctrine and to false prophecy. So he can't square his belief or practices with scripture at all. And what he's saying makes no sense in light of the clear commands of the biblical text.
0: Pastor Chris Rosebro is our guest. It's this week in Pop Christianity. We're talking about Mike Bickle and the International House of Prayer. Does the warning, just to be clear, against false prophets apply to Bickle himself? Unforgiveness is a prison, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January will help you break out of the unforgiveness in your own life. It's titled, Unforgivable? How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives. This new book is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040. Or, learn more about Unforgivable at issuesetc.org. Unforgivable, How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives, The Issues, Etc. Book of the Month.
3: Have you ever wanted a resource to share with first-time visitors of your congregation to help them understand why we worship the way we worship, why your church gathers the way they gather to receive our Lord's gifts? Pick up your copy of the January issue of The Lutheran Witness, which is The Divine Service, A User's Guide. To order a copy, visit cph.org slash witness Or visit our website to learn more, witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective.
1: Relevant worship isn't about trying to look and act like the rest of the world, to appeal to the culture around us. But relevant worship is about Christ. Hope Lutheran Church of Birmingham brings you truly relevant worship, where sinners gather to hear God's word and receive his gifts of forgiveness and peace. Visit us online at hopebeham.org. That's hope bham.org or give us a call at 205-956-1930. We'll see you Sunday.
4: Luther Academy provides additional theological education for our mission partners around the world, specifically pastors who are asking for additional education but do not have the necessary resources in their own church bodies. By donating to Luther Academy today, you will be supplying food, housing, books, professors, and travel for Lutheran pastors who attend our conferences. To learn more about Luther Academy and how you can donate today, visit lutheracademy.com. lutheracademy.com. Old theology, new technology, you're listening to Issues Etc.
2: Not only does our church need men right now, but the world needs men who will proclaim the gospel in its purity.
0: Issues Etc. Regular Guest, Dr. Peter Scare, Associate Professor of New Testament at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana.
2: If when you go to sleep at night you're thinking about it, my experience with it is this, is that thought won't go away. So if you're going to bed at night thinking about following our Lord and becoming a preacher of this gospel, then I would love if you could come and visit Fort Wayne, our campus. We'd love to show you around and show you what it is that we do.
0: Have you ever considered becoming a pastor? Contact Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana at 1-800-481-2155, 800-481-2155, or visit ctsfw.edu. Christ-centered, cross-focused Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Pride is a reoccurring sin for people. Nevertheless, God condemned and punished his son for our prideful idolatry. Jesus paid the price for our breaking of the first commandment, and God declares us righteous. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. From the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January, Unforgivable, How God's Forgiveness Transforms Our Lives. Call Concordia Publishing House and order Unforgivable. 1-800-325-3040, or you can browse before you buy at our website, issuesetc.org. It's This Week in Pop Christianity. Today, we're talking about Mike Bickle and the International House of Prayer with Pastor Chris Rosebro of Fighting for the Faith. Does that warning, Chris,
1: against false prophets apply directly to Mike Bickle? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. God's warning absolutely applies to Mike Bickle. And I would note then that because of what we know now from the, the uh, information that is coming out regarding the decades-long allegations of uh, clergy sexual abuse on the part of Mike Bickle, theres there wasn't just one woman, there were multiple women, that uh, Mike Bickle was leading a double life. And he himself was giving false prophecies to the women that he was grooming for the purposes of sexual activity. And uh, he was telling them that God told him that his wife Diana was going to die. In fact, that's one of the consistent themes we hear from the different victims of Mike Bickle is that Bickle was claiming that his wife Diana was going to die. that that meant that it was okay for the two of them to be together and things like this he was legitimately blaspheming God's name breaking the second commandment for the purpose of sexually grooming his victims which is like so sick on so many levels that it's almost mind-boggling to consider and so he's living a double life during this time And the irony in what he's saying when applied to this particular issue, it's not missed on very many people. A lot of people are starting to point out this irony and how if they had just listened and paid attention to what he was saying years ago, they would have realized that something was off. What's up next from Mike Bickle? So we're going to go back to a message given in March of 2008. I've been able to track down now the uh, the date for this thing. And in March of 2008... Again, a time when Mike Bickle was still engaging in these other practices. Mike Bickle claimed that he had received a a special revelation, a prophecy, a vision from God, that God was going to give a special grace of immunity to IHOP. And not only that, a grace of amnesty as well. It was a special kind of thing coming directly from the Lord. And here's where we're going to steer into a second issue. And that is is that the Apostle Paul makes it clear in Galatians 1 that even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel other than the one already preached, let that person be anathema. Let him be damned. And so you'll note that in both Galatians 1 and 2 Corinthians 11, those who preach a different gospel are under the anathema of Scripture. So while Mike Bickle is leading this second life, this alternate life of his that not a lot of people are aware of except for him and his victims. He then claims to receive a direct revelation from God, offering the people at IHOP, the only way I can say it is is a counterfeit gospel. And as we listen to these sound bites, we'll listen to the details of what God is apparently offering to the folks at IHOP in this grace of immunity and note that that what he's offering is already offered to people through the cross of Christ. Folks,
0: the quality is poor on these next two cuts. So listen closely. So
3: what the Lord put in my heart, paragraph, F. Yeah, very important. It's very important. And a number of you commented to me this week, because I mentioned this uh, on Monday, the Lord said, from this day forward, I will release the grace of immunity. That's a, that's a tricky phrase. Or the tricky is not the right word. It's it's a phrase that has levels of meaning. It's a phrase that takes some thinking. I will release the grace of unity. From this day forward, in this community, this is a a personal word for this season. It's a a personal word that applies for now in this setting. He says, if they will repent, not only of immorality, of tolerating immorality, Some of you are not involved in anything remotely that touches this, but it doesn't trouble you that others are. God's not calling us to be a police state. Not what He's calling us to be. But He's calling us to be, to carry His heart in this. He says, I'm going to give the grace of immunity. Now that includes amnesty. The Lord says, I will cover. I will cover yesterday in this community. And here's why this is important. This is a critical point. He wants us to go forward. Read this with confidence. He wants us to go forth with confidence in our work of morality. This confidence, the next paragraph, is essential to spiritual vitality. He wants us to enjoy the immunity that comes from the accumulated power of our shame, of the fear of rejection. You know, there's this guy or that guy going, you know, I can't go forward. I I'm stuck. This word paralyzes me, Mike. I would love to rejoice in this word, but I have secrets. This word terrifies me. I want to quit. I can't go forward forward in boldness. I can't go to the community table and rejoice. I got to get out of here. This terrifies me. The Lord says, no, there's immunity. I don't want, which includes amnesty. I don't want you coming to my presence afraid of yesterday. I will cover you. I don't want you fearing you're going to be rejected because of yesterday. I don't want you in the shame. I don't want you letting go of the high calling.
0: So I noticed what was missing from this for all the language of immunity and amnesty. I mean, he's essentially talking about forgiveness. He didn't
1: mention Jesus. Not at all. Nor did he mention Christ's cross. The gospel is the good news that Christ has bled and died for our sins. Not just some of them, but all of them. And that he was raised victoriously, bodily, from the grave on the third day. So, we can legitimately say, as pastors, because of the authority that Christ has given to the church in the office of the keys, to all penitent sinners, we can give an absolution and speak on behalf of Christ and say, In the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins. And I would note that everybody who attends Kongs of Inger Lutheran Church, they hear Sunday after Sunday in the divine service that all of their sins are forgiven. They hear when they receive the Lord's Supper that, Take, eat, this is the true body of Christ, given into death for the forgiveness of your sins. Take, drink, this is the true blood of Christ, shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And so everybody who attends the divine service in our churches They know that they are forgiven. They are forgiven of all of their sins of omission, of commission, of all of their sins of past, present, and even the ones into the future, because Christ has bled and died for all of them. But here, Mike Bickle, who at the time is leading a double life, he has a guilty conscience. In the context of this double life that Mike Bickle is leading, He's looking for a way to assuage his own conscience, and so he concocts this false dream and prophecy that God is offering the people at IHOP a special, just for them, a special grace of immunity and amnesty, but the things being offered there are the very things that are offered to all Christians by virtue of Christ's vicarious and suffering and death on the cross for all of our sins. And so fascinating to me that this man claiming to be a Christian that uh, he can't even anchor forgiveness and mercy and grace and amnesty in the cross of Christ but has to instead offer it up through this alternative prophecy but it's only for ihop. It
0: makes me wonder what he's preaching on any other day because this seems like this is like your one time special deal that you're going to get from God, apparently that deal doesn't stand in force, as you just said, for anyone else except IHOP or at any other time.
1: Right. And and the way it's being offered up, I mean, my, my when I kind of listen to the fuller context of the of the message, I have to ask myself, were people offered a free set of Ginsu knives if they acted now on, on taking up God's offer and that grace of immunity and amnesty? It really kind of had that upsell feel to it. And you'll note that he's legitimately focusing on people who psychologically feel the weight of their sin and the grievousness of the things that they've committed in their past to the point where they don't feel comfortable coming to the Lord's table, which it would be good, right, and salutary to experience until you repent and you know that you're forgiven. But the absolution that he's giving them is not an absolution at all. This legitimately is a false gospel. This is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a counterfeit gospel, and it's offering the same promises that Christ already won for us on the cross. Why should I believe in such a thing as that?
0: Pastor Chris Rosebro is our guest. When we come back as we talk about Mike Bickle in the International House of Prayer, one more cut from Mike Bickle on the grace of immunity. What does it mean to inwardly digest God's Word? Find out in Pastor Will Whedon's column in the latest Issues Etc. journal. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Dr. John Warwick Montgomery tells his story of finding confessional Lutheranism to be the most scripturally faithful theology. The free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. Our Christian faith is under constant attack,
3: and we must be proactive in keeping our children in the church. At Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, we believe that an education rooted in God's Word is one that stands against the very gates of hell. Nothing in this world is more important. Offering a rigorous classical Lutheran education, we provide in-person and live online remote learning opportunities for preschool through grade 12. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org.
2: Do you dream about having stained glass windows at your church but know they are too expensive to ever get them? Cruesome has the solution. Our window clings are an excellent way to enhance the beauty of your church without breaking that glass ceiling. Visit adcruesome.com and reach out to us to work with you on this project. Cruesome, established in 2014 and still going strong. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com.
4: It's not about you. It's about Jesus for you. You're listening to Issues Etc. Christological. My friends, Jesus comes only for sinners. Historical. I believe in God the Father Almighty,
3: maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord,
0: who was conceived
3: by... Sacramental. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given unto death for your sins.
4: To find a Christological, historical, and sacramental church near you, go to issuesetc.org and click Find a Church.
0: Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin, Pastor Chris Roseborough of Fighting for the Faith is our guest. We're talking about Mike
1: Bickel and the International House of Prayer. What's next from Mike Bickle? The conclusion of that soundbite is we hear more about how he's trying to find applications on how this grace of immunity legitimately positively impact the people listening to him.
3: Many people have been doing stuff in the last weeks, months, or years, whatever. And I said, uh, my high colleagues out of reach. So says, no, I want you free from that diseased way of mind. It's an infected mindset. I'm covering you. I will give you as a family a new beginning. He says, tell them the grace of immunity, which means the, the sins of yesterday in this regard as we stand in solidarity as a family. The Lord is saying, I will cover you. They don't need to go to the platform afraid. I will cover you. I want everybody undistracted because you'll never connect with me if you're caught up under the infection of the fear of yesterday, the shame of it, the hopelessness. The hopelessness of yesterday will keep us from connecting with the Lord today. It really will. The fear of of yesterday, the the skeletons in the closet, will keep us from encountering the Lord. It will be Lord Jesus. Here I am. I said, I love you and your beauty. I received it. And he was like, Lord, I promise I would do that. If you do this, I will do that. It's all negotiating. The Lord says, no, you need immunity from the disease of yesterday's sins and yesterday's errors. And as a community, he is saying, I want you to go forward undistracted and clean from the infection of yesterday's defilement. I don't want it in you because you won't be able to get free tomorrow if this is weighing on you. Because we're going after the same heart. And the one thing the Lord does not want is shame and fear of rejection in the way he wants connection with his heart. That's what he wants. You can't connect with his
0: heart if you're negotiating 10 other things. So what was he saying there?
1: So you'll note that in the end there, he was saying that God is saying he wants connection with his heart based upon this grace of immunity. And he's speaking directly for God, very prophetically here. And here's the issue we come back to the thing I've been pointing out. Let me read to you a portion of Second Corinthians chapter 11. Paul talking to the uh, the church at Corinth who had fallen for the chicanery of the so-called super apostles. He says, I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me. I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I'm afraid as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. And he's not commending them. He's actually condemning them. And then he goes on to say that the ones who were teaching these things, these so-called super apostles, that these men are false apostles, that they are deceitful workmen disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, so it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds." So here Mike Bickle, in speaking for God, says really God wants people to buy into this grace of immunity thing, fully ignoring the fact that Scripture says this, in First John chapter 1. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So my question is, why would the God of the Bible be offering the grace of immunity to the folks at IHOP and trying to get their buy-in and telling them that their consciences would be assuaged, even though they have sins that they're ashamed of, when we already have God, the Father, pointing us to the Son and the Holy Spirit pointing us to the shed blood of Christ and assuring all Christians who confess their sins that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he's teaching a counterfeit, a different gospel altogether, and the God who's offering it is clearly not the God of the Bible. It's a different Father. It's a different Spirit. It's a different Jesus because that's a different gospel because the God of Scripture, the Holy Trinity, already offers us all the things that Mike Bickle is offering to the folks at IHOP. He offers that freely to us. In Christ, because he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. God laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all and promises to all who confess their sins that God is faithful and just to forgive everything. So I think you, you kind of get the idea here is, is that when you really go back through the archives of Mike Bickle's teaching, these are just two examples that I was easily able to, to pull up that demonstrate that, He's teaching a different spirit all along, a different gospel. And the things that he's saying were completely false. And none of the things he said made any sense or even squared with Scripture. And yet he was a towering, giant figure in the New Apostolic Reformation and in the charismatic churches. All along, he's been contradicting God's Word and trafficking in, in counterfeits. And it's readily obvious that he's been doing that if you had just applied just a little bit of biblical discernment and comparative work to what he was preaching and teaching. So people now know to avoid
0: Mike Bickle as a false prophet based upon his moral lapse. But I think your point, as you said at the beginning, is even if his marriage were still intact and he had not been committing adultery for more than a decade, even if that were the case, and we pray that it would be, you know, that he would remain faithful
1: hmm he's still a false prophet absolutely and and all all the evidence to come to that conclusion was already present on the internet in the public domain for decades and yet people refused to apply the biblical tests to this man because they believed they just wanted it to be true they felt that it was true that he, he was truly a true prophet and god had really sent him and what was happening at IHOP in Kansas City was a true move of God when in fact the entire time this was legitimately a move of Satan and Bickle and others like him are deceitful workmen sent by the devil masquerading as true prophets, as true preachers of Christ when the whole time they've been complete counterfeits themselves.
0: The true Apostles warn us that these teachers and I think it may fit in Bickle's case, I just seem to recall the words they go from bad to worse, deceived and deceiving. Does that apply here?
1: Absolutely. That is absolutely true. Both Peter and Jude describe them in terms where you can't hang your hat on them. They they're like wandering stars. You can't navigate by a wandering star because they don't have a fixed point. And Bickle's theology legitimately was at sea without a rudder in the middle of a windstorm. Where he was from day to day was clearly drifting. And I would also note that uh, scriptures also describe false teachers as those who prey on weak willed women. That's an absolute quote from scripture. And the victims of his sexual advances, all under the prophetic guise that God told him that his wife was going to die, those women fit that category, you know, as weak willed women. And he was preying on them. And that, they should have been sounding the alarm about Bickel decades ago. And we would have been spared, you know, decades of of false prophecy and false teaching on his part. But alas, hindsight being twenty twenty, people now are willing to apply biblical scrutiny to Mike Bickle when they've been commanded by the scriptures to be doing so the entire time. So those who did who refused to do it were literally disobeying the commands of the real Holy Spirit. Do you think Mike Bickle
0: believes his own schtick, or have we kind of uncovered finally uncovered? The underside of this rock and seeing that this was all just for his own gain whether financial fame influence or even sexual all
1: along you know that's a good question and i can't see into the man's heart i can see the fruit that it's produced and people are now coming forward and legitimately printing the receipts on his theology and where what he really truly believed and I think you can say on some level Bickel was a true believer in the theology that he was promoting, and he legitimately thought he was something special, and, uh, and that he was part of something that God was supposedly doing on the earth in preparation for the end times. But that being the case... That doesn't get him off the hook. Being a true believer in something that's false is still false. I mean, the, the believers of Molech literally believed that they were doing a godly thing by sacrificing their children to Molech. So I think that the evidence shows that Bickel was a true believer in what he was saying and that he wasn't engaging in intentional deception, you know, theological deception purely for gain. But that was clearly an undercurrent of what was going on in his motivations. But I don't think it was the total package.
0: So how do you respond to those who say, you know, if if he wasn't doing something right, God wouldn't be at least apparently blessing his ministry. He's been very successful for decades there in Kansas City
1: yeah so this this is part of the american mindset and we have to recognize something and that is is that living in america catechizes us into the belief that success equals god's blessing the cross proves that wrong i would note jesus christ is god in human flesh he committed no sin he deserved from god nothing but blessing and it was god's will to crush him and he goes to the cross and he dies an ignominious death and his life is snuffed out and he allows it to happen willingly and Christ tells us through his apostles that we are to participate in his suffering through the sufferings that we go through in this life. And even further, the apostle Paul tells us in Second uh, Timothy 4 that a time would be coming when people would not endure sound doctrine, that those who were preaching the truth would not be tolerated. They wouldn't be successful. So stop using the overlay of success in numbers as somehow being an indicator of God's blessing. Nothing could be further from the truth. When you read the scriptures, at the end of the day, Christ, when he died, how many of his disciples were at the cross? How many were there trying to prevent his unjust murder? None of them. So Christ practically dies alone except for John is there and Mary is there and you know Peter is it completely denied him three times. So stop looking at such a surface level test to see whether or not God is behind something and instead read his word and compare what he's saying to God's word and success has nothing to do with whether or not God is blessing.
0: Then with uh, 30 seconds does the International House of Prayer survive now that it's 3 principal founders and and leaders have been
1: discovered to be morally suspect? That is a good question. I know for a fact from people who have contacted me that things are pretty bad at IHOP right now, and I personally, my opinion is that they're going to have a long time surviving into the future as a result of all of this, and part of that has to do with the mishandling of the scandal by the leadership team there and there's been a lot of people in the leadership team that have resigned as a result of all of this. There's still other shoes that have to drop and I think more of the stories are going to be published and you know people are telling me that there's darker clouds up ahead for the future of IHOP and that this has just scratched the surface what we've talked about so I don't have a lot of confidence that IHOP can survive.
0: Pastor Chris Rosebro is pastor of or Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota. He's creator and host of the YouTube channel Fighting for the Faith. For more information on Fighting for the Faith, go to issuesetc.org, click Talk On Demand Archives. Chris, thank you very much. Thank you, Todd. Issues Etc. has been brought to you in part today by Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas. Faith Lutheran provides a classical Lutheran education for pre-K through high school. Faith Lutheran School will host an information session on Wednesday morning, January 31st, the open house will include a campus tour, a presentation from the headmaster, and more. For additional information, visit FLSplano.org, Faith Lutheran School, Plano, Texas, FLSplano.org. Next week on Issues, etc., we'll discuss dechurching in America with Michael Graham. We'll have Dr. Stephen Parks respond to Catholic Answers Series 6 Early Church Controversies Protestants Can't Answer. And we'll look forward to Sunday morning with Pastors Will Whedon and Sean Denzer. I'm Todd Wilkin. Go to church on Sunday. Thanks for listening to Issues Etc.
4: Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.